0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Cherry Tribune Season 2, brought to you by WHIP. I'm your host, Sam Cohn. Alongside me today is Owen Boyle, making his Cherry Tribune debut, and I'm really looking forward for everything he's gonna be doing for this show moving forward. Plenty of great stuff going on throughout the podcast department, between a handful of shows getting started, so keep your eyes and ears peeled for those. Today's show features Christina Caratanudo, the goalkeeper for Temple Field Hockey. We learned a lot about her today, had a really great time recording, so let's get to it and let's just hit the music. So today on the Cherry Tribune, we have Christina Caratanudo. Thank you so much, Christina, for coming on the show. How are you doing?
1: I'm good. How are
0: you? I'm good, thanks. Oh, we got Owen on the show, too. Owen is making his Cherry Tribune debut, too. Love it. Big
2: things to come. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Yeah, of
0: course. I'm more than happy. Now, Christina, do you go by Christina or do you go by Nina?
1: Um, All my teammates call me Nina, so that's kind of just what it flies by.
0: Do you want us to call you Nina?
1: That's perfect. (laughs) There we go. (laughs)
0: Um, So, Nina, let's just, like, hop right into it. Um, You're a junior from Emmaus, Pennsylvania. Yes. And you're in health professions. Yes. I was telling Owen before the show, I'm building a reputation on this podcast for not being able to pronounce names, not being able to pronounce hometowns. So, I always have to prep and, like figure out how to pronounce things before. Cara is a good one, and Emmaus is the hardest name I've had so far for a town. But, so we'll start with you being a health professions major. Um, You're in med school.
1: I'm going to go to med school.
0: Going to, excuse me, you're going to go to med school. Um, What's your dream job in med school?
1: So, I obviously have another four years after graduate school, and then I would love to eventually be a team doc and a pro team. At a Pro Team, specifically the NFL, because I love football. It's always been something that you know been passionate about, and I think there's a huge underrepresentation of women in male sports for you know the league. And obviously, we had um, for the 49ers, they had the first, they were the first coach, female coach uh, to go to the Super Bowl and all that. So I would love to continue that.
0: How do you think playing a Division One sport has any kind of effect on you wanting to work in sports the next level?
1: Oh, my goodness. Um, sports is all I know. So everyone's always like, oh, why sports? Like, really interesting. And, you know, I look back on to when I was younger and like, Sundays with my dad, like, going to play soccer. And, you know, throughout the week, both of my parents, like, bringing me. It seems weird to not want to be in sports.
0: Sure. Yeah,
2: so let's dive a little bit into academics. So school is very, clearly very important to you. Um, at Emmaus High School, from 2011 to 2013, you won the Mukul Gupta Student of the Year Award. Tell us a little bit about that and what it kind of means to you.
1: Um, so the Mukul Gupta Award is was set up for their Mukul Gupta. He passed away uh, in middle school. So they set up a foundation for kids that excelled not only through what their peers saw, but as far as their teachers they excelled academically, you know we're well rounded that's kind of just the whole thing, and it wanted they wanted to honor kids that do that because a lot of people don't really see all the different aspects, you know they think, oh, you're smart, that's all you can do um so that award was i luckily won it and was very honored by the Gupta family, so I think that's really important, and it's kind of shaped me because I think even nowadays I look. Back on that, and if I notice that I'm kind of slipping up in an aspect of my life, I try to keep it up and just remember that he put he pushed people when he was alive, and I want to do that as well.
2: It's awesome. So you've been named to the Temple Athletic Directors Honor Roll numerous times for having a 3.0 GPA or above. How do you manage being successful in the classroom and on the field?
1: Uh it's tough. <laughs> so obviously. The Resnick Center does a really good job of providing student-athletes with a lot of tutors, outside help. Um, Temple University itself offers a lot for just everyone here. They also offer a STEM program for science majors. So I've utilized that. Um, you know, it is, it's is—it's a huge time management game. So excelling in the classroom, it's a lot of those late nights. I'm sure you both have had those. Yes, yes. Um, you know, studying when you really feel like you're going to go, you want to go to sleep. Um, and then, obviously, on the field, it's hard because you do have these academics. You do have all this stuff that's weighing on you. So, having to just push that to the side for that four hours that you're on the field is, you know, a little bit tough. But, you know, you try to do it.
0: Sure. And I know you're only a junior, so this could be the most annoying question I'm going to ask okay. you all afternoon. Do you know where you want to go to med school? Have you, like, thought about where you want to go, thought you want to do?
1: Yes, I have. And I love that question. Um, that was an awesome nod. You're <laughs> yeah.
0: That's well, that's awesome. Right? I really? Yeah, what? You think I don't know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: so I have, I like to say I have one more year on the East Coast. Okay. i not a fan of the East Coast. All I right. grew up a here. A West Coast girl? I'm a West Coast girl, yes. So I actually have legacy at University of Arizona's med school. So two of my cousins went through there, and they're now doctors. Really cool. Um, so obviously looking there, I have an aunt in California, so looking at schools in California. Um, I really like Nevada. I like Utah. That kind of links in with the hiking. Yep, well, we'll um, get there. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, definitely out west, not, not east coast, not okay. anywhere cold.
0: So you don't know specifically, like, you're kind of in the application, you're getting close to the application yeah. process, you started it,
1: in it? No, so I actually take my MCAT my, uh, this summer. Okay. So I get to take that, and then I'll be applying in the fall. Of next gotcha. year.
0: Okay, well, best of luck. Thank you. are going to have to keep us updated.
1: Yes, I will. <laughs> um,
0: so you've been playing the piano since you were real little. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if Owen knows, but I, not playing the piano is one of my biggest regrets in life. Really? I've wow. always wanted to play the piano. Yeah. I took guitar lessons when I was younger, um, but like piano, looking back on it, was always one of those instruments I wish I played, so I'm a little envious. Oh. So how old were you when you first started playing the piano?
1: Um, I think I was six years old. As soon as I started reading, okay. I was able to. What's play. your
0: earliest memory of playing the piano?
1: So, I lived in New Jersey. I was born in New Jersey. Okay. So, I we had this little like little basement, and our parents let us draw like all over the walls. So, looking nice parents, yeah. <laughs> looking back on that, I was just like, mm, I don't know how good that is for selling a house. <laughs> um, but I remember going into the basement, and we had like a little small piano, and my sister's two years older than me. So, she obviously could read before I could read. So, I remember watching her playing on the piano, and I was like, I want to do that. Like, even if I don't know how to do it right now, like, I'm going to do it. So, I remember my parents just coming down, and my dad actually played piano. So, he kind of was like, yeah, just go. So, I remember him just bringing down, like, little books that had, like, two notes in them, and just finding them, and doing that and then progressing so.
0: So, uh, my next question which you kind of just already answered was is it was that something that's more so you want to get into it or did your parents push you at all or you kind of just sounds like you just found it on on your own.
1: Yeah, so it was kind of a little bit of both. Um my mom has no musical talent at all. Not to <laughs> not to downgrade <laughs> <That's> her. <okay. laughs> um, my dad started taking lessons in high school and he kind of raised us on being well-rounded, so not only yes you can excel in sports you can excel in the classroom but finding a, uh, a musical instrument so for us he never said piano but yeah. it was kind of like you know you guys pick do something you know get your brain flowing yeah. he wanted me to play the drums for a little bit so i tried that but didn't really work didn't, out didn't
0: last long no um
1: guitar so nice we actually i taught myself in middle school how to play the guitar that was pretty self-taught cool. self-taught did you go to it's piano pretty lessons impressive. or was that self-taught too i did so um it was a little bit self-taught as i grew up but yeah. as soon as i hit like first grade we went to a, a teacher and so i had to move from new jersey to pennsylvania so okay. my main piano teacher is in Emmaus, where i grew up uh so went to her all throughout elementary school middle school and then for like two years in high school and then once you kind of get to a certain level i'm sure you you know it's you can't go much further. Yeah. Yeah. So it was more at that point just finding sheet music, playing it on my own, you know, listening to music, trying to transcribe it, so,
2: yeah. Yeah, so what, what do you find, like, the most enjoyable about playing the piano compared to, like, the other instruments, like the guitar or, or the drums?
1: For me, I hate, this is going to sound so, like, petty, but I hate having, like, the calluses on my fingers <laughs> when I... When I play, I play the ukulele too. As Wow, you play a lot of instruments. Yeah. Um, but I like, especially because uh, now, like, if I do go home, we have a piano in our basement. So it's nice to just go home not have to worry about, like, tuning an instrument or doing anything. Just going, like, sitting down, relaxing, and just, like, playing whatever you want. That's like for me the best part.
0: I feel like most people when they're playing an instrument growing up, they have that moment of like, wow, this sucks and I hate it. Did you ever have that moment or was (laughs) piano the kind of thing like you hopped into it and you've been playing for like 16 years, 10 years, whatever. Yeah. And you're running with it and you haven't stopped.
1: Um, I definitely had the moment where I was like, I don't think I want to do this anymore. Um, For me, that was really after I went through like learning like the classical music and all that, I felt so like worn out and beat down because it's, The composers and all of the sheet music is extremely hard, Mm -hmm. and I have, like, small hands. and I can't really see that, but um, it was so hard for me to play some of the songs because they were meant for grown men, you know, years and years ago. So at that point, I was kind of just like, I'm never going to go anywhere with this. Like, I just want to do it and just be able to relax and, like, not have to do it to make other people happy, kind of. And at that point, I was just like, I just don't want to do this. And that was the point in high school, actually, where I kind of just stopped. Um, but I never really quit. I would always go downstairs, like, every single day and just play. If it was a half hour, if it was two hours, like, I just made a point of going downstairs to keep it up.
2: Now, you mentioned your piano at home and going home to play the piano. But do you have any opportunities to play the piano here? Do you have any you know, time and your, your busy schedule to do that? And are, you, are there any pianos you can actually play here, here on campus?
1: So I have not taken the opportunity to do that. I know that I think probably, I think Tyler has pianos down there. Um, I'm sure the music department has plenty of stuff, but I have not found time. Uh, funny story. My freshman year in Morgan Hall, one of our, so I lived with three other, sorry, two, two other field hockey players and one just, you know, student and she brought up a little keyboard and kept it in her room and she goes, "I want to learn how to play the piano." And I was like, "Oh my gosh, I like, can I just like <laughs> use your keyboard?" So, I used to do that. That was really fun.
2: And favorite or best song you like playing?
1: Um, modern or like just all time. Give us anything. It all. Okay. I'll I'll give you 3. I love Moonlight Sonata. I think that's like one of the staple like Classical piano pieces. Hardest piece of music I've ever played in my whole entire life. Um, if I'm going for something to, like, make people be like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> I'll do Piano Man by Billy Joel.
0: Wow. I have
1: that, like, memorized at like, the back of my hands.
0: So I tried when I try, I was trying to teach myself the piano because oh. I gave myself a tiny bit of self-taught, like, <laughs> YouTube videos, YouTube yep. videos, YouTube videos. And I was watching the first minute of that video. I was like, no, I can't do this. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can't do it. Yeah, it's, Find an easier song.
1: Yeah, it's definitely tough. Because that's,
0: like, the dream. For anybody getting started on the piano, like, to play that song.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep, that's a classic. And then my third, like, more modern, which actually I just transposed. So listen to and then write down. Mm -hmm. um, Implicit Demand by Proof by 21 Pilots.
0: Okay, that's pretty impressive that you can listen to it and then figure out how to play it on your own just just, by listening to it.
1: It took forever, and it is the hardest thing to do. And I think if I were to give it to someone, they'd probably be like, what is this? But it makes sense to you. Yeah the end of the day. Yeah.
0: Um, so let's get a little into your hiking, because okay. that was the thing that most intrigued me about you, I think. Yeah. And we kind of did some more research about finding everything else about you. But yeah. in terms of hiking, was hiking for you something that you wanted to do? That interest start with your parents, your family? Like, where did that even come Where did that come from?
1: So my parents, especially my mom, hates the outdoors. Uh, really interesting, because she grew up not in the U.S. So she actually was always outside growing up but they never really got to see anything crazy. Same thing with my dad. He grew up not in the States and didn't really get a chance to see anything kind of crazy or cool. So my love for hiking and kind of the outdoors stemmed probably my freshman year of high school. So I had a teacher I love who, hopefully you'll hear this, um, Mr. Mihalik. He was a baseball coach at Emmaus. And so he made it kind of his life journey, life process to get students more involved in the national parks and national park system. So there's a lot you can see all around the world. Yeah. That's like great to say. But in the U.S. we have so much and like not everyone gets a chance to see it. So he really instilled that in me. And I saw all these like crazy pictures of these national parks. And I was like, I want to do that. Like, I want to go there. I want to hike. I loved being outside. So I just at home would like look up places nearby to go hiking and would just go hike. And then I got the opportunity the in October of my sophomore year to go to Alaska in the summer. I'm Whoa. Sorry. Yeah. So that's kind of where everything really had picked up for me.
0: So let's start with uh, Angels Landing in Utah. Let's start there because that's said to be one of the deadliest climbs in America. Yes. It's in Utah tell us everything oh my gosh well, give me the full story full
1: story wow um favorite place one of my favorite places in the world okay um really super crazy so the actual it's in utah moab utah zion national park um it's not the highest point in utah it's cathedral landing it's the highest point but angels landing is the deadliest hike so you do a five and a half round mile hike up to, it's called Scout's Landing, so that five miles, just going through it is like hell, because there's these things called switchbacks, and it's pretty much, if you can just think of a staircase that just zigzags and goes like this, that's all that it is for probably two miles, and then you go through a point called Refrigerator Canyon, and good name. it's called that because it's (laughs) freezing, so it could be like 90 degrees outside, and it'll be be like 32 degrees. Like probably not that cold but freezing yeah sure Um, so you get to that point and then pretty much you do some elevation and then you get to scouts landing so for the people that don't want to do what's considered angels landing which is a mile and a half of a spine of the mountain you can stay on scouts landing so the day that I went it was in October and I remember it so vividly. I was with Mr. Mihalik, uh another teacher, and, like, five other students. And
0: This is when you were in high school? You yeah, this are? is okay. when I was
1: in high school. I was sitting on the edge of Scouts Landing, and I was crying. <laughs> 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 Looking back on it, I don't know why I was crying. But I was sitting there, and I was shaking. I was eating a granola bar, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't do it. Like, I, I can't do the mile and a half. And he was like, if anyone wants to stay, stay. And, like, all, everyone was like, we're going. And I was like, I can't be the only one to stay back. So got the courage to go up. Uh, that mile and a half was probably the scariest thing I've ever done. So I'm pretty confident in my hiking abilities. But the scary thing is it's the people around you. So you have people that aren't as experienced or maybe, like, haven't done it before. And when you're standing on something that's maybe a foot wide and you're trying to let other people pass, it's a bit scary. And so they have a little, like, chain link railing at Mm -hmm. some points, but then other points, there's nothing. So you're, like, pretty, like, free-basin it there. Sure. And then you get up to the very top, and it's probably the best views you'll see in the whole entire park.
0: Can you talk about that experience, like, growing up hiking, like, where you got started?
1: Yeah. Um, As I mentioned, I love the West Coast. So... I have family that lives in Arizona, Scottsdale, Arizona, and then my aunt lives in the foothills of LA. So every, we try to go to Arizona at least every summer. Um, there's mountains everywhere you look. Here, we're like, oh my gosh, there's a the mountain, and it's like a little hill. <laughs> um, you go out there and you're like, oh gosh, that's a mountain. Yeah. So I started hiking in Arizona. Um, my dad and my sister would always go with me. My sister hated hiking. Uh, really bad knees she had tore her acl whatever so she hated hiking uh i would go with my dad i would drag him outside but this was this is like my freshman year of high school i would drag him outside i'm like dad we're going hiking i don't care we're gonna go we're gonna wake up early because his mom lives out there so i was like we're gonna wake up early before she gets up we're gonna go hike mountain we'll come back we can shower and then we're all good so that started and then every summer when i would go out to arizona I just continually try to hike different mountains. Um, the most difficult one I did out there is called Camelback. Um, it looks like a camel, that's why it's called Naturally. Camelback. Uh, so hike to that. That is actually a really scary hike. I'm not gonna lie. And I have hiked that after I did Andrew's Landing as well. So that is just really it's like slippery. There's no traction on the whole entire mountain, and there's certain points where it's such a steep elevation and incline that You're on your hands and, like, knees trying to crawl up. So that's kind of where that all started.
2: Favorite local place, maybe around home Mm -hmm. or or closer, you know, to campus that you like to go hiking?
1: Yeah. Um, So there is a place in – it's, like, Hickory Run State Park, Glen A lot of people go there for the big waterfalls that are there. But they have some really nice trails, and that's in Jim Thorpe. And then Philly – Considered Philly, uh, Wissahickon State Park, which is like a five minute drive down Broad Street ish. Um, so that's really nice. That's local. Really
0: cool. How often do you go hiking?
1: Um, not enough. Anymore. I'm sure it's tough
0: to fit into into your field hockey schedule and everything else, but
1: yeah. um, when I'm in in the fall, like I never have a chance because we're in season, so it's very difficult to get out. Uh in the spring I try to go home pretty often. So like on the weekends I'll get up early in the morning and I'll drive somewhere and I'll try to go hiking. Um but if I'm at school like never, which is really sad, but you know.
0: You mentioned a lot of your hiking started with like you just being like dad, let's go and mm-hmm. your sister wasn't super into it, your mom's not super in the outdoors. How do you think that's like changed your relationship or built that relationship with your dad like how close are you with your dad just through hiking and being able to share that experience?
1: Yeah, um Definitely has shaped it a lot. So I am a lot closer with my dad. Uh, You know, he is the type of man that never says no. Mm -hmm. So although maybe hiking isn't his thing necessarily, it definitely was one of those things where we were up super early in the morning, so he had to deal with me being cranky and all that fun stuff. So, you know, just like the stories – he would tell me it gets very nostalgic, and I think even to this day, sometimes like I'll just be walking around and I'll see something that I remember that he like said on a hike, and I'm like, oh my goodness, like I wish I was back there, in that moment, you know. Even though you were complaining while doing it, sometimes um, it definitely was pretty awesome. So
0: it sounds like I mean between hiking and the piano, like although your parents were super into you doing it and helping you, and it, it, a lot of this just came from within. Yeah. It just started from you saw it, and you're like, I want to do that. There was no real, like, your parents did it, so you do it. Mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes, especially with, like, skiing and snowboarding is a good example. Like, if your parents do it, you do it. But a lot of this, you saw a piano, you saw your sister use the piano, and you're like, I'm in. That's what I want to do. Or you start hiking, that's what I want to do. So let's talk a little about your family. Um, So you're a first-generation American. Yes. Where are your parents from?
1: So my mom immigrated here from the Dominican Republic. And my dad immigrated here from Italy, so they're very two complete opposites. <laughs> and everyone says like that's such an interesting mixture. But yeah, so first generation was born in New Jersey.
0: Okay, um, sorry, I'm gonna backtrack for two seconds because okay. I Owen had a question that he wanted to uh, add, and yeah. I totally just skipped no, over it for you're, hiking. You're so good. I'm gonna kick it to Owen, <laughs> and then we'll get back to.
2: Let's have a little fun. So, three things you can only bring three things on a hiking trip. What would they be?
1: Okay, um. My hydration pack, which is key, key, yes, gotta be hydrated. That's the backpack that has the two. Yes, tubes and it has. The, yeah, yep, yeah, awesome, versatile. Favorite, What's your favorite, favorite
0: backpack brand? Camelback. Okay. Yeah, I have an Osprey.
1: Okay. I, yep, they're really nice too. Um, backpack. I'm very. I would never bring my phone. I just, like. I love dis just, just disconnecting. Yeah, yeah. When I'm on stuff like that, uh, I would definitely bring. I have like a little Nikon. That I take camera, pictures on, yeah. so bring my camera. And then this is gonna sound so childish, but I love like the kids' cliff bars. So they're not like normal cliff bars yeah. where they're like huge. Like <laughs> mini cliff bars, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're like 80 calories for like a little thing. They're like banana, <laughs> chocolate.
0: Stuff. Are those like technically all. kids' cliff bars? They're kids' bars. I eat those all the time. Yeah, I eat I them. Used to, I not mean, yeah, I used to eat them all the time. I didn't yeah. know they were kids' They're cliff not
1: bars. the minis. They're not the minis. It specifically says specifically kids. It's so like kids. the size of your hand? No, it's smaller. Like It's probably okay, like... Okay, so maybe I'm... Maybe I'm I eat them else. in the morning before practice. <laughs> <laughs> and I just... I would take those. Like you a just box chow down kids' cliff yeah. bars <laughs>
0: before any kind of workout ever. Yeah. That's um, awesome. Yeah. I guess before we get to you being a first-generation American, I you got anything else on hiking. No, I think that's it. No. Okay. No, we sorry. learned a lot. I jumped the gun there. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> no, you're good, Tim. Right. Um so how often do you get to see like do you have family that still lives overseas? Do you how often do you get to see them?
1: Yeah, so my family is pretty much anywhere you can think of for, at least in my eyes. Well, um, spread
0: across the map.
1: Yeah, so my mom still has family in the Dominican. Um really personally growing up was not really close with her side. Um our mom wasn't really close with her side. So I think growing up, a lot of kids like will like oh like I have two grandparents like I have two aunts whatever, multiple aunts yeah yeah we all have yeah. multiple. Yeah. We, we all know. I got you. Um, so I never really got the opportunity to be like oh I have two sets of grandparents like uh-huh. I knew they were there but I only really knew one and got to interact with one and that was my dad's side. So, my mom's side. Like I said, they still live in the Dominican – some of them still live in the Dominican Republic. And then others live in New Jersey, but we're not really close with them. So although I've seen them occasionally, um, not really a lot. And then as far as my dad's side, we have some family in New Jersey from his side. And then his mom and dad live in Scottsdale, Arizona. His brother lives in Scottsdale, Arizona. And then his sister lives in LA, and then we have like a bunch of the big Italian cousins in Italy. Say no
0: more. Um, yeah. So you said you were born in Jersey, right? Yeah. Uh, when did you move to PA? I guess that's my first question.
1: Um, in first grade. So I don't know how old I was.
0: Okay. Sucks. Where in Jersey were you?
1: North Plainfield. It's okay. no one knows where it is. It's I okay. got you.
0: I trust. I mean, I don't know the Jersey area well. Neat. No, Neat. Yep. Lived there. I was gonna Maybe. say that yeah. sounds yeah, incredibly yeah. familiar, yeah. but I I didn't want to jump the gunner. Yeah. Uh yeah, Napier Lee Temple Men's basketball is also yeah. from Plainfield, New Jersey. Yeah. A lot of temple athletes. Yeah. New They're Jersey. breeding the best. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so obviously Owen and I can't relate to being a first generation American. Uh so what's been the biggest like cultural difference or struggle or challenge you've had to go through, whether that be with your family or just for you or you know, wherever you see fit?
1: Yeah. Um it definitely has been interesting. Growing up, uh, having two different cultures, so um, my mom kind of took more of, like, a backseat approach, so she never really pushed, like, the culture that she grew up with on us, and I mean, neither did my dad, but a little bit more from him, because we did, we were around his family a lot, so our mom spoke Spanish to my sister and I when we were really little, so we were able to pick up on that. I'm not extremely fluent. Okay. I could probably speak a fifth grader in Spanish.
0: Um better than us. Yeah. <laughs> I do
1: a lot better. Like if you if I listen to someone, I can understand and like I'll be able to
0: Yeah, you can hold your own in a conversation.
1: Yeah. yeah. That uh so that's been really interesting. I think it's an awesome attribute. Uh my mom is actually trilingual. So she knows Wow Spanish was her first language, um, English was her next and then she learned Italian through being around her.
0: Yep. mother-in-law. Do you Some speak another language at home, or is it just mostly English? Mostly English, okay. unless my mom's mad. She'll speak yeah. Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> that's very clear.
1: <laughs> um, so yeah, that's definitely, although I know like those are my roots, and I have had a chance to get to the Dominican, um, I haven't really been really in that culture and in, immersed in that, so that's something that I definitely would love to do a little bit more, and I think I could do a better job of. As far as the Italian side, um pretty much really grew up like that uh our dad didn't speak italian to us so although i know some the good words you know the curse yep. words and <laughs> that fun stuff i do know some stuff not much but our dad really instilled kind of more of the values and traditional values that he got from when he was growing up so both of his parents worked extremely hard when they were in italy and to come here, it was a huge jump. And they came here, and not that they were poor, but, you know, living paycheck. Sure, paycheck, sure. Really, really hard lifestyle. So my dad didn't really get to see his parents much when they got here. So the things that he, the little things that he did, he tried to bring to us. So when we were really little, this is going to sound crazy, but like the little espresso. Yep. So we had a little espresso, uh, the little kettles. So he would make it for us and we'd sit on the couch and we'd watch Italian soccer on Sundays. <laughs> love it. So, and
0: that's where you're going to pick up on the Italian. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. So, you know, that was always something still to this day. Like I just absolutely love. And that's one value that when hopefully when I have kids that I can bring that and do that with them. Uh, also, the Italian culture is very family oriented so that's kind of just how i grew up so our family is extremely close and family dinners like every night that's Uh, a good thing a lot of people don't do that (laughs) that, i know i know i would always speak to my like talk to my friends and i'm like yeah i'm sorry like i can't come over like i have family dinner and they're like
2: with your parents oh and do you have <laughs> family dinner. oh yeah every night yeah. well not now obviously because yes. yes, I'm nice. here yeah. but every night it was, yeah it was
0: a big part of my, my childhood my family yeah. made a made a point to try to do it like once a week yeah like See, just a little bit
1: that's oh my goodness like I I envy that sometimes <laughs> I'm just like I just wish I could just go eat somewhere and not have to do it with my parents <laughs> um no but so that was really interesting and again like something I'm definitely gonna hopefully when I have kids like we'll take that sure. with, with me um That, also, they were kind of strict. That's just, like, the Italian culture with, like, where we were going, what we were doing, Mm -hmm. you know, home by a certain time. You can't hang out with boys unless, like, there's other people there. (laughs) Like, you know, all that fun stuff. Um, So, really, the values that I've learned in the Italian culture have been amazing. And I have luckily had the opportunity when I do go to Arizona to visit my grandma. Um, She doesn't trust my sister to cook. Even though she's older than me, <laughs> um she trusts me, so you know, uh, I've gotten the really cool opportunity of learning all of her like little recipes uh-huh. and her little dishes, and she doesn't speak English, so it's very broken. she can kind of understand, but her thing that she's always said to me is even though like she's ninety two now so she's pretty pretty old, I think I can say that yeah, <laughs> yeah. um is passing that down and, like, not letting those traditions die. So I think that's something I always look back on. I always look back on those times and all of those little things, and I will always carry those with me.
0: If you don't mind me asking, how did your parents meet?
1: <laughs> so they both lived in North Plainfield. Um, they went to the same high school. They're actually 11 years apart in age. So my mom – that sounds super weird, I know. My mom's younger. Yeah, my mom's younger than my dad. They met. My mom was like a waitress or something. I don't really know. Um, My dad was a bodybuilder.
0: Really? Whoa! Interesting. Didn't see that one coming. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's a whole other Italian scheme, though. Yes,
1: definitely fits the Italian scheme. He was a musclehead. Yeah, they met in like a deli, really random. So they had like mutual friends. So my like dad kind of raised his little cousins. Like Uh uh, helped bring them up. So the little cousins knew like my mom and knew my mom's sister. So they like, knew each other, and then they're like, oh, like, she knew of him, but they weren't friends, and then they met, whatever. Then now they have kids.
0: Awesome. yeah. yeah. And so the story goes. <laughs> so in addition to everything that we've talked about for the yeah. last half hour, you also play field hockey for yeah. Temple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Forget that that happens sometimes.
0: <laughs> um, so just to quickly run through, uh, you were a freshman in 2017. Yeah. You didn't really play. No. Twenty eighteen you played five games, eight saves, allowed four goals. Yeah. Twenty nineteen, you started in sixteen games. Yes. And you allowed twenty six goals, fifty fewer than the season before. Yes. And that included four shutouts mm-hmm. and a thirteen save game and a one to nothing loss against Rutgers
1: yep <laughs> um
0: so let's just i guess my first question is like what how has your career developed what's changed
1: oh my goodness like um, as a, as a
0: person as a teammate like how how have you changed over the last three years
1: drastic drastically absolutely um so i've had two different coaches while being here uh i recruited under Mary Beth freeman was recruited under Mary Beth freeman uh who's here my freshman year and my sophomore year so my freshman year I tore my labrum in my shoulder, and was not able to really play. Kind of rehabbed. Uh, I don't think they really trusted me to play at that point. I was a freshman. I hadn't had great experience, so I didn't play. In, um, this is interesting. I didn't play field hockey for high like in high school. So I
0: actually. And now p- you're playing at Division One level. Yeah,
1: yeah. I was told I wasn't going to play Division One. Um, we can all say those stories, but. <laughs> I played for the number one club team in the nation. Oh, okay. So I had only played probably a handful of outdoor games. I was strictly like indoor. Like, yeah. I played indoor. What's the name of the club? Uh, W C Eagles. Okay. So they're based out of Pottstown. So you know, did that really cool? Um, obviously got recruited freshman year. Tough transition year. Sophomore year, still under Mary Beth. Um, I don't know there's just like a lot of things. I think. You know, obviously, I don't think I was as confident as the other goalkeepers. Uh, Chloe Johnson was the senior, was a senior at that time. Amazing goalkeeper, actually works here now as, like, a volunteer coach. Really great player, awesome, has taught me a lot, has shaped me into the player I am today. Um, got a lot of experience. I think I started one game my sophomore year against Drexel, and we went into double overtime and ended up losing. So that was really frustrating. But I think as my sophomore year progressed, I got more confident, so on and so forth. Um, Then sophomore spring, Susan Chufo came in, who's the new coach. uh, Actually kind of knew her previously, so she recruited my sister to play at Lehigh. So knew her, knew of her. Uh, She got here. Probably the most memorable thing I can think of is her coming in and looking me – we did like a run test and her looking me in the eyes and being like you're out of shape and Whoa. you're you know you'd be this much better if you were in shape and i think as an athlete i took that to heart and i was like i'm not in shape yeah and um worked my butt off all of summer came back junior fall um probably in the best shape of my life honestly um thanks to her And had this bar, but not really. So we all can say, you know, we have these expectations. But I think at that point, everyone was just kind of curious to see what was going to happen. And we had two other goalies at that point, a senior, Maddie Liliak, and a freshman, Molly Fry. Uh, So it was kind of up in the air as to who was going to play, what was going to go on. And I think part of my mentality was i got to beat the two people next to me. I go, they're my best friends. But at the end of the day, we're all in, you know, just that mentality. So went in, got in shape, was in shape. Um, I was almost starting at the bottom. Like, I had nowhere to go but up. So for myself, I was like, okay, you know what? Start maybe eight games a season. You know, it'll be a good season. And then ended up coming out first weekend, I think. We had two shutouts. This was the first time since, wow. like, 2000-something. Um Huge confidence booster. And then I think as the season went on, had a lot of very good games. And not only can I contribute that to my coaches, but to my team. I, you know, wouldn't be the player I am without them. They push me every single day. And without them in front of me, it would be 20 nothing. So (laughs) really happy and grateful that I have the team that I have. So I think they really helped me this season. And I think that through – being with them every single day and them, you know, in practices, like putting me through those hard times has only made me better. So this season definitely was huge. And I think for next season I have a lot to live up to and a lot more that I'm hoping from us and from myself. So, yeah.
2: When Sam mentioned the the loss to Rutgers, I saw a little bit of a reaction out of you. Um, you had 13 saves and a one nothing loss. You played – Obviously, very well and and might have been, you know, a career game for you. What did you learn out of the experience playing so well, but, you know, still coming out with a loss?
1: Um, We always talk about, like, like part of our culture is you never really lose. Like, you can always learn something from your loss. So, I think for us, not to downplay anyone, um, our team, we just didn't really show up to play. Like, the first half, we... Weren't doing the things that we'd been taught. We just looked like a 2-16 and 16 team, which we were last fall. Um, so that first half was hard. And luckily, I had my defense back there with me. But also, luckily, I was on my my A game that day. Um, so kind of taught me, you know, we're all going to have these ups and downs. It's just part of being a team, part of being an athlete. So that was really interesting. We came out that second half and... It was, like, torrential downpouring and cold the first half. Second half, got sunny and hot. And we all were, like, new weather. These are two different games. Yeah, like, new weather, new game, like, clean slate. Um,
0: New weather, new me.
1: Exactly. So we had a phenomenal, phenomenal second half. We didn't generate much attack that game, I remember, but we all were 110%. So I think from that game, we just learned that we can ride with Number 13 in the nation, whatever yeah. Rutgers was at that time. Um, so I think for us and for myself, that was a huge stepping stone for where we're going in the future and kind of like the legacy that we're leaving and the bricks that we're laying down to go forward.
0: So I have one more question for you. And I did not think about this until literally right now. Okay. Um, I'd feel annoyed at myself. I've, been, I've done an injustice if I don't at least ask about it. Yeah. Um, so I talked to Lucy Reed about this on the first episode mm-hmm. of the Cherry Tribune, the debut episode. Yes. Uh, one of your field hockey teammates. Mm-hmm. What was Kent State like for you in, a, <laughs> in just a quick couple sentences? Of, can you just describe what that was like for you?
1: Chaotic. Um, confusing. Had no clue what really was going on. Um, disappointing. Absolutely. We had just played Maine. Um, A nationally ranked team. Yeah, phenomenal team. We had had a phenomenal game. And I can tell you 100% confidently if we had those next five minutes to play, we would have won. So um, obviously there's a lot that went wrong, but there's a lot that we can take away. And I think it sends a good message out to other young female athletes and I think to just athletes in general that, you know, no matter you're a male, you're a female, if you're in whatever sport, that – <clears throat> you should. we should all be equal. I know that's like a huge thing, equality. And I think for me, I just want to teach the people under me and be a good leader and show that even though we went through that, that we're stronger and that's not going to stop us.
0: Couldn't have said it better myself. Um, Christina, thank you so much for doing this. We thank really you. appreciate it. I feel like we learned a lot. Yes, definitely. I learned a lot about your <laughs> hobbies and, and your family too. Yeah. So. Awesome. Well, thank you. We This has been really awesome. So yeah. we, thank you for doing
1: this. Thank you for having me.